Yo, what's up? This is Alex with Cray Area. Welcome to our series Spotlight, where our mission is to build a bigger and more united house music community by sharing new and exciting artists, festivals, and event brands with you. In this interview, you hear from Dirty Bird's newest addition to the flock, Nala. We'll talk about how her indie electronica background, confessional lyrics, and open format DJing make her refreshing and unique. Be sure to like this video and subscribe for more interviews just like this. So thank you for taking the chance, taking the opportunity to talk to me today. It's super yeah. awesome to talk to you because I've been following you for a while now. And yeah, uh, love your music. And oh, I thanks. like <laughs> love like your the personality that I've seen in the interviews and stuff like that. So and online. So yeah, it's awesome to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> for sure. Um, I kind of want to like go back before you were DJing and before before all of that and talk about like what was your earliest musical memory earliest yeah um I think my dad took me to the Hollywood Bowl to see like I think it was called like the bad girls tour or something and it was like I think it was like Missy Elliott yes. Destiny's Child like it was like literally all of these like iconic women and I and that was like my first earliest memory and then like my first earliest memory where I was like, oh, I want to do this was like, yeah. um, I was like in middle school. Um, I was kind of like hanging out with like the skaters and the weird kids that hung at the, hung out at the mall. Um, and uh, like I was listening, I had like a MySpace and I was listening to like Ratatat and I was like, ooh, this is cool. So then I took like a Ratatat beat and I did like a mashup on some weird app that I downloaded probably illegally through like LimeWire or something. <laughs> um, and that was cool. And then after that, it was like in high school, I was playing around with like doing more like vocal stuff over like Katrin. Actually, that would be like more like college. In high school, I was like picking up guitar and like thinking I was going to do that. Yeah. And then in college, I started like recording vocals over like Katrinata beats. Um, like. I don't want to say it's rapping because that would be an insult to rap music. It's like, <laughs> it's like me, like kind of talking shit over a beat. Um, and then in college later on, I was, I started DJing and producing. So then I was like, okay, well now I did it. <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> so music's, out. music's always been there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always been there. I mean, especially when I was in high school, cause I did a lot of, um, from like, so like mostly in high school, I, I bounced back between Miami and um, LA. Right. So um, music, like Hype Machine was the way that I kept in touch with like the cool kids in LA. Cause right. like when I moved to Florida, they were like, oh, you're moving to Florida. You're gonna wear Abercrombie. And like, everyone's gonna hate you. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I was like, what the heck? So like keeping in touch with music was like my way of being like still cool. Like that was like my right. identity. Um, and and yeah, so like after that, I mean, it kind of had like this like meaning. And then of course, like also when I was like 15, my friend took me to like my first rave in Florida. Yeah. Because all, all like back when I was in high school, I don't know if this is still a thing, but like, like raves were all ages. Right. So I was like 15 years old and I was like at this like really, it's called Club Exit and it was in Hollywood, Florida. And um I don't even know who was DJing. I had I, I never had been to a rave before, but I found the drum and bass room. There were like four people in it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> so that was cool. I was like, this is cool. Um, and then after that, I like, I went to EDC, but like, um, I found a tweet, not a tweet, a Facebook status. Cause Facebook nowadays has been telling me every single day, like my memories for yeah. every day. Not good. 
Um, I'm like hiding things. I'm like, oh God, no one needs to see this. Um, <laughs> but I posted a thing. It was like, um, it was like th- on this day, 12 years ago. So I was like 16 years old. I was like, Benny Benassi was awesome at EDC. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God, 2009. I was like, mm. Hey, that's, that's perfect for the time though. 12 years ago, Benny Benassi oh was dope at EDC. He was so awesome. He played like this, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers remix that he had made. And like, my mom is such a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. So for me, I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah. So yeah, I've got like a history, uh, as a raver and music weirdo. So yeah. I started raving like when I was 18, but like when I started, it was like the late nineties, but there was no like age limits then either. Um, yeah, which is so crazy to me to think about now. Like I would hate to see like a 14 year old at a party. Like, I, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to see that or a 15 year old even. There's one. Myself. Why there's, am I there? No, exactly. And there's one place that, that allows all ages in San Francisco. And I, there was like a friend of mine, like posted, like tweeted something about it like recently. And I was just like, Oh, wow. I really shouldn't have been doing that at my age. Like that's, that's bizarre. Like, no, no, they should be at home. Right? Yeah. Like, and it's not like we were like sober, you know, no. like, uh, you know, like the, the kids were like doing things. So yeah. I, like my friend that brought me, who was also probably 15, this is probably super not proper to talk about, but like, whatever. No, go for but, it. Like, okay. Like, so my friend that brought me was like, I'm going to do ecstasy at this party. And I was like, cool. Like, I don't know anything about that. You know what I mean? But it was just like, wow, this is like, like reflecting on that, I'm like, what the fuck? My little brother is 14 right now. If I saw him at a rave, I'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so fucking mad at him. Like, no, I can't believe it. Like, but you know, it, it somehow added to the story of my life. So it turned out okay. And thankfully I didn't have a drug problem. So I like, That's just good. went because I liked it and it was fun. So Why'd you keep going? What, like, when was the aha moment for you that you were like, this is the thing that I always want to keep doing? For me, it was, um, okay. So I got into the music industry in Miami um, because I was in college over there. And again, like music was the only thing that kind of had, like, was my sense of identity. Right. Um, So like, even though I wasn't like making music at that moment, I was like, you know, I was seeking out like live shows that, were of bands that I had liked from LA. So like Fantagram. Right. And, you know, so like, that was kind of like my way of maintaining, I think like, again, like my identity. Um, and then, <laughs> and then I was like a waitress at the time. Cause I was in school for one for psychology, but then I, I transferred over to advertising um, because psychology was like dark and heavy and I'm right. making me depressed. So I was like, I need something easy. Um, <laughs> And so I switched to advertising, but, um, I was a waitress cause that's what, you know, typically you do in college, you to make money. Um, and I had this really shitty job. I was working on the beach as a waitress and it was brutal. Um, <laughs> it was like tan lines. It was just bad. It was, it was, and I was doing it at like a really high end hotel. So yeah. people there were just like assholes. Um, and the hours were ridiculous. I was getting there at like seven in the morning and leaving at like four, um, or like whenever the sun set because it was a beach gig. Right. Um, and, um, it was Miami music week and I had gone in the past, but like, didn't get the full experience. But like this time I'm like, I think I was like 20 or 21. No, I was 20. Yeah. Um, and I had gotten into Red Bull guest house Ooh. and do you, do you have, are you familiar with that? So that yeah. was like the coolest industry party. It was. In the- 
it was the coolest thing in the world. And like Skrillex is there. And I had been like at 16, 17, 18, like jumping on stage to hang out with Skrillex, you know, like being like, you know, I've always, I was always like jumping on stages and being like, yeah. So, um, so like, I was like, oh my God, Skrillex is just like in a fucking pod with me at this table, like hanging out. There's this model girl that I follow on Instagram right over here. I'm like, this is nuts. I'm hit, I'm getting hit on by Gina from Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm just like living. I was like, it was so cool. I was, I, I didn't know anything about anything back then, you know? And so like, I, I did the whole week just going every day to Red Bull Guest House because I thought it was the coolest party. And like, I did other things as well. And then by Sunday, they had this party called Hard to Leave. And it was like, the industry party um at a strip club yeah and, and oh and uh, that one spot what's the name of it it was called like uh i think it was called like gold diggers or something yeah um anyways and so i went to that and it was right before it got demolished and then now it's uh 11 nightclub right or 11 miami whatever um but so i went to that and i was like this is nuts right i'm like holy <laughs> shit a track is djing Verdinsky's here gasofelstein's here like every industry person is here and I'm just like, I'm here, I'm in it. And I was like, this is fucking, this is the coolest shit in the world. And I stayed until like six in the morning. And then I had work the next day at seven. So I slept for about 30 minutes, woke up miserable. Obviously. Drove to work. <laughs> I, was, I couldn't find parking because where I was working was on the strip. So right. like, if you can't find parking, you're just going to be searching forever. Right. So I was like, fuck it. Parked in a yellow. And I walked in and they're like, um, why are you late? Cause I was like, I was like two minutes late. Why are you late? It's like, oh, cause I'm lethargic. They're like, what does that even mean? I was, like, <laughs> I was like, it means I don't want to be here. And I like threw in the towel. They're like, if you don't want to be here, then don't work. Just don't come back. We'll call you if we need you, but don't expect us to need you. Wow. Like, okay. Fine. Peace. Bye. Got in my car, left. And then I told my parents and my dad was like freaking out. And then my mom was like, good, screw that. That job was miserable. Um, and then I like immediately after that, I was like, I'm going to pursue PR. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so then I got like hired at a PR company. And then I discovered this like events company that was working with like underground artists. It was like more corporate. So then I started doing like these like event assistant and marketing assistant, like internship type thing. Um, and then from there, I started going to Bardo in Miami, which then turned into like me, like wanting to work at Bardo. So then I started like promoting for them and I was still 20. So I was definitely not allowed to be there, but like <laughs> I was doing it. And then by the time I was like 21, 22, um, I had like kind of worked myself into the, uh, the scene a bit. Right. So I was like talking to someone and he's like, you know, you should DJ my party. It's just like, you know, locals and it's, it's just like, you don't even really need to know how to DJ. It's just like a small thing. And I was like, cool. So then I got like an iPad. I had tractor on it and I was like downloading music and like playing and, um, and I did it and like, it actually like people were loving the music and I was like, Oh, this is, this is power. <laughs> I was like, I feel good. <laughs> and, um, and then like the photos came out and it looked like I was actually DJing on CDJs because they were like right next to me, but I didn't know how to use them. So <laughs> So then I was telling my friend, I was like, oh yeah, I DJed. And all of a sudden I started getting offers. They're like, oh, you're a DJ? Well, like you should like DJ this thing. And like, you should DJ that thing. And I'm like, I don't even know how to. So <laughs> I was still working at Bardo. So I contacted um, David Sinopoli, who now is the owner of uh, Space. In right. And I was like, David, like, do you think it's okay if I practice on your equipment before the club opens? And he's like, yeah. Um, so I like coordinated with the sound engineer who, this guy, Andrew Bird, who's like a genius. 
And, um, and he was the one that like taught me kind of like the more, like both technical, how to listen by ear, that kind right. of like mix by ear, but also like how to, like when to mix in, like by phrases and stuff like that. Like, um, it's like almost like a music theory kind of situation. Right. And, um, and so then like after a couple of that, like moments of that, that's when I like really was able to like learn how to DJ and, and it just kept going. <laughs> it just it never ended. And so I just kept like DJing and DJing and DJing. And now here we are. <laughs> there's, it's there's like this thing I'm noticing about you that's like kind of a uh fuck it all I'm just gonna go for it um, <laughs> yeah, attitude yeah oh yeah uh, who cares <laughs> yeah and like where does that come from I like, don't know <laughs> like where do you get the courage to just be like fuck it I'm just gonna do this thing and if it works it works and great oh it works that's awesome like I you know it's a, the thing is that I don't have even like an, an ounce of doubt that it won't work. For me, it's like, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. And it just like, it just happens that way. I don't, I don't really like go, well, maybe what if it won't work out for me? Like, what if I'm not going to make a career out of this? What if I'm going to be broke? And I'm like, I don't, I just don't have those, like that kind of dialogue in my head for whatever reason. Like I, I kind of like push it out uh, probably as a self-protective measure, because if I allow that in, it's game over. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but like, a lot of it is just because I'm so enthusiastic and excited about everything. So I'm like, oh, this is so fun. Like, I feel so good. And like, people like what I'm doing. So, I, so I must be doing something right. Um, and, and I just like have that kind of optimism towards it, I guess. Um, I don't know. <laughs> no, I totally feel you. I've been, I've been in music like my whole life. I started off in like a boys choir when I was um, seven and I was cool. in a boys choir for 10 years and I was in like a highly competitive high school choir and then I found raving and I like got addicted to that. But never at any point in my life was I like, oh, this isn't going to work out. I was just always like, I want to be a musician and a writer. And that's, that's how it worked out. So it's fascinating to talk to somebody else who just kind of like is in that same lane because there's like a lot of self-doubt in the industry. Like, And you know, it's funny. I was talking to someone about this um, and it was actually not even related to music, but it was related to like entrepreneurs in general. Yeah. He was like, say, he's, a, he's this guy's like genius tech, uh, like AI scientist kind of person. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about how like there's three types of entrepreneurs. There's the ones that are like, uh, that do it because they're passionate about it. And then they just manage to get successful, which I, I kind of feel like is it's a small percentage of people, but right. like you could tell who they are because they're really happy and optimistic. And they're always kind of just like excited to be there. And, and there's like no sense of darkness at all. They're just like really stoked. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, the ones that are just in it for money and fame, right? Like, and you can see those people too, you know who they Absolutely. are. And then, and then like my friend was saying, like the majority of uh, the people that are in it are like, um, like people who are just kind of trying to resolve like some sort of trauma, right? Like their, their own like emotional uh, feelings of like, and needs for validation and, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. And like that he says is the majority of the people, which that blows my fucking mind. But that makes sense because, you know, there is a lot of like darkness in this industry and there is yeah. a lot of like drug abuse and, um, and self-doubt and destructive behavior. And like those things, you're just, I mean, if you go on Twitter right now, it's like ketamine, 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 ketamine. I'm like, it's just like, that's like what everyone is like, you know, embracing as part of the culture. And it's like, that's a really dark, that's a really dark place to so, be in all the time. I know it is. And it's so unproductive. And I was talking, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say his name, but I was talking to someone that's very successful yesterday. I was at the studio with him, just hanging out, catching up. 
And he was like, yeah, but the people that do that typically aren't very successful. And they're like kind of struggling with that reality. And that's why they're kind of embracing these more like darker, like destructive traits to kind of, I don't know, is it a validation seeking thing? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I just like, I just don't like that. (laughs) I I feel you. I totally feel you on that. Why would you want that as your persona like no weird i'd much rather be defined by something else by anything else by anything by something positive (laughs) something at least something positive like yeah like something positive just be like and also i mean and this is this person was saying this yesterday too is like why why is why wouldn't you want your message to be like positivity and spreading like good energy with people like right and like for that artist, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to name drop them, but for that <laughs> artist in particular, their fan base is one of the most loving fan bases, right? They're like the di- most diehard sweethearts. And like, it's just like, that's the community you're creating. And like, look how happy this person is and look how successful this person is. And like, and, and I was just like, you know, like, yeah, that this is the conversation I needed to reinforce what I would already been feeling. Right. Like, kind of just like, I was actually on the opposite spectrum where I was like, damn, this industry is dark. Like, why is it so dark? And then I was talking to my friend and he's like, no, it's not dark. It's just those people are dark. Yeah. And like, and that made me feel kind of like, okay, cool. So just ignore them. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, it's funny. I had somebody say the same thing to me recently. They're I like, it's, the mood. It is, like, it's, it's totally the mood. Yeah. And every, this person was like, man, this industry sucks. Everybody's just such a backbiter. And I'm like, that's not true. I've it's met some true. of the most amazing people in my life because of music. Like right. all of my friends I know were because of music. Like they're they're bright, sunny, amazing people. It's just about who you're surrounding yourself with. Exactly. And it was, it's shifting the focus. Yeah. Because of course there's terrible people. There's terrible Always. people in every industry. Um, but like shifting the focus to not, and you know what sucks? freaking algorithms because if you start <laughs> to God, focus yes. too, if you focus too heavily into that right so me i had been focusing so heavily on this concept and like of like everyone being so addicted to drugs and like so into this dark aspect of the music industry and the sex and the this and the that and and then my my freaking twitter timeline turned all into of that. that now and i'm like no if i go on if i go on tiktok it's like that like that kind of culture as well and i was right and, I'm like, no, damn it. So now I gotta like unlike things and like like other things. I'm like, I gotta shift the reality here. I can't be like living in this world right now. So yeah, it's been an interesting existential moment for me. So yeah. 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 <laughs> I love that we just went off on that tangent. That's great. Um, <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's great. That's what this is about for me. Like I, I love talking to people and I love that I get paid to do it. This is awesome. I so speaking of like positive people in the industry, you work with two of like possibly the most positive people in the industry. Um, what's it been? What's it been like to be like welcomed into the Dirty Bird family? Oh my god, I love them. (laughs) That's really and it's really like a family. Like it's not just like something that happens within the label within the label ecosystem, but like the fan base, everybody that's associated with Dirty Bird. It's just like the it's it's a wonderful feeling to see that happen and to be a part of it. Like, what does it feel like to be like a part of that bump from the inside? Oh my God. It is just seriously family. Like I could, me. And so uh, it's Andy and then Nikki is Andy's assistant. Right. And um, 
Nikki has become like my sister and Andy is our mom. And like, it's just, that's how, and like, and Barkley's our dad. And like, and it's just like a love fest. And like, that's kind of been like the whole energy. It's just like super supportive, really kind people. So like really have like your best interest in mind. Um, and like, I have not experienced like any sort of shady behavior at all. There's like full transparency with, with me and Andy, like, and like, and like full accountability too. Like, like if she's like, if she makes a mistake, she's like, oops, I, I made this mistake. There's no defensiveness. There's no, and there's no, like, um, again, like no drug abuse, no, no getting kicked out of parties. Like I, there were people get, getting kicked out of parties, uh, like at this thing I went to on Sunday that are managers. And I'm like, whoa, you know, it's what are like, you doing? <laughs> yeah, your, your client is playing. Hmm? Um, yeah. So it was like, you know, it's just kind of interesting. Um, and yeah, I got really lucky that I managed to find like a community of people. Cause even the other artists on the label, Vanessa, Walker and Royce, Artelon, like we're all family now. Like me and Artie were uh, working on a song on Friday. We were both, was it Friday? No, sorry, not Friday on, oh my God, Tuesday. Wow. <laughs> on Tuesday. I don't know what day it is anymore. Um, on <laughs> Tuesday and we were at happy hour and we were both just kind of like, ah, you know, this world is frustrating. And we're like, you know what, let's just go hit the studio. And we went to the studio and just like unleashed on this track. And it turned out to be like the coolest fucking thing we've ever made. And it was so easy. And like, and then afterward, we're like, that was therapy. And we were all hyped on each other. We were so like excited on life until like two in the morning. And I was like, okay, I gotta go to bed. Like we're texting. We're like, that was so cool. Was so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's just like cool. Like to have like this community of people. I was uh, talking to Tucker from Sophie Tucker and it, and it was the same thing. We had the same conversation where it was like, I just like got super lucky with Dirty Bird and it's so nice to be like around people that are so positive and supportive and like good, um, good, they have a good message and like, and just so like, just, I don't know, just like really like inclusive and happy. Um, same with Sophie Tucker. They are like the happiest people I've ever met. Super positive, super enthusiastic about life. And like, it's nice to be like surrounding myself a little bit more with people in that headspace, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I love Dirty Bird. And I love Sophie Tucker. They're great. <laughs> You've mentioned like some of the best people in the industry. That's totally true. It's so nice. You know, I mean, it's just so easy. It's so easy to fall into like the darkness. And yeah. like, it's there and it's always looking at you. And it's always like, hey, do you want to stay at space for 24 hours? And you're like, hmm, maybe. And you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and it's, it could be, and it could just spiral. <laughs> and so it's like really cool to like, meet people who are healthy because um, yeah. that's also like there's no longevity with destructive behavior absolutely um, it's like i mean you know they talk about mental illness or mental health issues right. in the industry um and yeah like it's a huge thing so it's cool to meet people who have found a way to coexist with it you know right how do you find that balance too like for yourself i i mean it, yeah oh <laughs> There it is. I detox every, after every weekend, I sweat it out. And then I'm like, all right, I'm back. I, I breathe, heavy breathing, yoga stretches, Zen. That's it right there. That's my like kryptonite. Um, that, and I, I've been seeing a therapist for like three years. So that helps, that helps a lot too. as well. Yeah. Having a good community of friends and supportive, like just a really supportive, happy group of friends is like one of the most important things ever. Like it's one thing, like if you have that one person that's like luring, luring you, I can't yeah. the word, <laughs> into like, into like destructive habits, right? Like 
going on benders or like doing drugs or things like that. Like those are the kind of people that are going to ultimately like destroy your mental health. Right. Um, so making sure that like, you know, when to put an end to those kinds of friendships and like keeping st- solid boundaries with those kinds of people yeah. um, is important because like, really like you need to have a community of people around you that are willing to uplift you. Otherwise it's, you know, someone's going to take you down with them. And so it's just like those kinds of things, eating healthy vitamins, good yeah. sleep, you know? I mean, I love tequila. Don't get me wrong. I love that. <laughs> but like knowing when to stop drinking tequila is a probably big one. Um, and, um, and yeah, I just, you know, and just like being proactive about like your mental health, I think is really important because it's one thing to just be like, I'm going to therapy, but not addressing any of the issues that you're actually experiencing. Right. And it's another to be like, okay, I had this thing happen. I had this thing happen and I had this thing happen. And this is how I feel about it. How do I fix this? So it doesn't happen again. And being like very constructive in therapy is like something that I think a lot of people miss the mark on. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you're, you're public about some of your issues too, which, <laughs> which is, which is great because it's, it's something that gets missed in dance music, especially that, that because we're so addicted to excess and like living the life and doing it for a look that people don't always address, like I'm feeling down or this was hard for me, or that was hard for me. Um, why, why be such an open book? <laughs> Cause I don't know how to be a closed book. <laughs> <laughs> I really just like, that's just my nature. I'm super just like, this is how I am, you know? And I mean, that's uh, most of my writing is confessional writing. Um, I don't, you know, I don't create narratives and stories for the most part. Um, because I also just think it's more real. It's more authentic. Uh, Tucker showed me a song of his yesterday that he wrote about, um, an ex-girlfriend of his. And I was like, this is my favorite song of yours. I'm like, this is the coolest shit. It's so authentically real. Like it's, So good. He's like, I know the realness. It's good. I'm like, it's good. Um, but yeah, I think you know. Also, um, I'm I'm not here for like charade, like just to be like a facade. You know, I think like a lot of what art is supposed to be on a philosophical level for me is something that people relate to. It's part of the human experience, and yes. that's why we we that's why we are obsessed with art to begin with because it makes us feel something. It makes us feel less alone. Yeah. And like for me, I just like love making people feel less alone like I love to give them the kind of support I'm like hyperly empathetic and that's maybe to a fault because then I'm like getting involved with people who are have have problems and I'm like okay wait (laughs) you know (laughs) um but like I just think that like it's with psychic attack and sun is hot yeah it was really cool to see people go like, wow, yes, I feel this. This is like something that I actually relate to. Like I wrote Psychic Attack because I was really overwhelmed with like news, the news last year. And like Donald Trump's presidency was just like, every day the news cycle was just like, this is how the world is falling apart. And I'm like, ah, I can't take it anymore. I don't even know what's real. I don't even know if what you're telling me is an actual factual thing or if it's like opinion, you know? Um, and that's like, that's that line. It's like, what is real and what's whack? Like, I don't yeah. even know. So I kind of wrote that song out of like a, a, a space of anxiety, but I think a lot of people could relate to that. Cause it was so chaotic. It was psychological warfare. It was like crazy last year. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's funny, like not to say like this year is any better. I don't know what like our president's doing now, but that's maybe that's the, that's, the thing is that we don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's better that way. <laughs> maybe it's like, you know, we know about certain things and we fight for our causes, but like right. maybe let's not put everyone into a frenzy of like at all times, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it was intense. That's it's interesting you're breaking up like confessional writing, especially in dance music, which again, like verges towards excess. Um, and I think it's interesting that you're like writing songs that are of substance and are also that are also dance floor friendly. Um, what's it like to live in that space? Because it's you're kind you're really in your own lane there. You know, well, a lot of it was because Barkley, Claude Von Stroke was like, I don't want to hear another song about put your fucking hands up. And I was like, great. <laughs> I don't even know how to, I, I mean, I do know how to write stuff like that. Um, but I authentically as a person would cringe. So like, right. I can't make things like that. Like, it just feels really like, uh, like at odds with who I am. Um, how did I end up? I don't know how I end up writing these things. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I guess I keep things vague, just slightly vague. So I'm not diving too deep, you know, like I'm not saying the world is ending. Right. But I might be saying everything is burning, you know, <laughs> and, um, and my temperature's rising instead of I'm losing my fucking shit and I want to punch someone. Like, right. You know, so like, I like, it's kind of just like more vague sentences. It's open for interpretation, things like that. Um, I have a, I wrote a song with Nikki Nair just recently, like a week or two ago that I actually wrote. And it's also like juxtaposition, but like I wrote, I wrote it at the beginning of last year, pre-pandemic, and I wrote it about wanting to go to a rave. But then now it kind of like really applies to like what's happening in the UK. So it's like, the song's like, I heard you're trying to escape. Well, I know a couple tricks to help you get away. Embrace your wild side. That's what they say. What's the point of work if you can never play? Not getting younger. This is our chance. Make them remember that we came to dance. Um, uh, and if they try to take it away, we tell them, fuck off. It's not their place. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that it was going to be like that. I mean, I hope we can get it out in time just for that moment. Because it's like part of that zeitgeist. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but like, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just, it just comes naturally. The song I wrote on Tuesday with Artie was because um, old uh, the lyrics are I was mad at someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I go because uh, old habits die hard, so don't worry about it. Oh, you're not perfect. Well, welcome to the party. <laughs> um, so like, like you say, you got problems. Yeah, we all do. You want special treatment, but I'm not going to give it to you. So it's kind of things like that. Like I am very confessional, but like I try to keep it vague enough that like. You know, it really could actually apply to a couple people in my life, and it could probably apply to a couple people in other people's lives. Right. But it's also delivery, you know. So I'm also like, you want <laughs> <laughs> You know. So I don't know. It's I don't know how I do it. I just have gotten to that weird place in my brain where it's like, doop, 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 doop. and it just like all the buttons connect, and then we're good. <laughs> when did you start writing lyrics? Because I mean, you're you're at a point now where they sound really good. That doesn't come. That doesn't come like overnight. <laughs> well, okay, so. The Catronata thing, that yeah. was the part that was part of it, right? So I was like taking like beats and being like, I'm I would like rap over them. Right. Kind of. Um and then I started because before Dirty Bird, I was doing a lot of like experimental, like yeah. more left field music. Right. Uh, maybe some indie down tempo as well. And it was and I was writing lyrics then, but uh I was doing it more collaboratively. Um, at that point, so I was working with a lot of different artists and singers. Um, so I guess, and I, I did, I think I went like too abstract then. Yeah. I don't know what shifted when I decided I was going to start making dance music that was more like club friendly. Yeah. Um, I don't know what shifted, but 
Sun is Hot was the first, well, the, the lyrics I wrote for Dickie Nair, I wrote last year. So I guess it kind of applies. Right. But Sun is Hot was the first one where I was like sitting around. Actually, that's not even true. I was just doing a lot of like at home writing and I was writing a lot of songs and um, and I was playing keyboard a lot and I would post these videos on my Instagram story. And this is before dance music also. And then I was like, okay, like I'm just gonna like write songs. So I guess maybe it's just like, you know, two years of like, just like doing that. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know how it happened. I'm, I'm, at, I'm at a point now where my brain is like faster. So maybe like back then it took me a little bit longer. Right. Um, but I think also when you're really honest about something, it just comes out easily. Yeah. Um, so that's probably it as well. I mean, sun is hot. I was sitting in my living room and I was staring out of the window and it was sunny and I was like, is it me or is it getting hotter? (laughs) (laughs) Hotter than ever before. And then I was like, and then I was thinking to myself, I'm saying this in a very sexy way. Maybe I should shift it slightly to, uh, is there, uh, there seems to be nothing I could do to cool it down. So what are we supposed to do? And it's like, I could feel your pressure, your pressure on me. That's a song about global warming first and foremost. But then I was like, it's open for interpretation. It could also be about sex. So it's funny because NPR was like, oh, this is a dirty song. And I was like, it's about global warming. <laughs> I love that. I love that that um that there's so much subversiveness going on that it's so open to interpretation. But you're talking about like real issues here, um, yeah. and you're doing it in such a way where people are like, yeah, I can dance this. I get down to this. But you've like made a statement. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't. I can't. I just can't like talk about things that are superficial. It's just not part of my character. It feels right. wrong. It feels like I'm like, it's like nails on a chalkboard internally. Yeah. So I, I just have to just like do what feels right to me. And also I feel like it's what I'm able to like contribute, you know, like, sure. I write songs about like sex. Sometimes I have a song, a collaboration with someone else that I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about um, where the song I was like, I just want to feel your sweat on my body, you know, like that kind of dirty stuff. And like right. touch while I'm driving, when I wake up thinking about you, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. Like I, I could do it as long as it's authentic to like how I was feeling in that moment. Right. But yeah, you know, <laughs> it's all about authenticity. Yeah, dude. That's like my biggest thing. My biggest thing in the world. I don't care if you love making pop music. If you are just pop to the max, it's the best thing that you could do. Like that's what makes you happy. I love that. You know, like you can tell right. like Ariana Grande is like in it. She, oh, loves, she it. loves it. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and you feel it and you're like, yeah, this is why you're successful. Like it's the people that are like trying to be something they're not, or that are not diving deep enough into their like heart. Right. That you kind of just go like, yeah, this sounds soulless, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like my biggest crusade is like authenticity in music. Yeah. I mean, I always say like when people use the word sellout, I'm like, hey, that person only sells out if they think they did. Like, if they yeah. like what they're doing, yeah, maybe they're not doing what you liked from them five years ago. But if they like what they're doing, then, you know, good for them. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Sophie Tucker's new album yesterday. I was in the studio with them and I was listening. And I was like, wow, this is wild. It is so good. I'm like, Tucker, this is like the best well, they've only had one other album. I'm like, this is your best album. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure this is going to be a thing that happens every time they have a new album. I'm like, this is your best album. Um, but like, it was really cool because it was 
like they they incorporated a lot of like their old i don't even know if i'm allowed to be talking about this but like <laughs> they they have they stuck to who they are let's just put it right. that way but it's diverse it's like different styles of dance music and so it's so fucking cool i was like tucker this is amazing so i'm really excited for it to come out and i hope that i was allowed to talk about that i, <laughs> I don't know it's well, okay well, you didn't give you didn't give away anything like like revelatory it's okay yeah 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 it's all i gotta say is it's amazing and i think everyone should be super excited about it because it's really just like it's yeah they they did something really cool and but they kept it real you know and they have their like um like because sophie's portuguese right brazilian i think i said that wrong <laughs> brazilian, <laughs> brazilian yeah so she has like her portuguese like language uh music and i that's like my favorite because i like love that yeah. I love like world music. Um, and then, and then there's like some that are just like straight bangers and I'm like, yes. <laughs> so it's cool. Oh, I'd uh, love to hear it. Yeah. Um, you, there's been a lot of talk about representation in dance music over the last year. Um, finally. Um, and like you sit in two worlds, you're, you're a person of color and you're a woman. How does it feel to be like a woman and Brown and be in the place yeah. where where, I don't think I am I brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm Italian. What? What's your national nationality? I'm Italian. Are you Italian? I thought I read somewhere else that you were that you were mixed. I've been getting that a lot lately, and it's like and my maybe, friends refuse. They refuse to like consider me white, and I find that so weird because I <laughs> I don't I don't know any other experience, but um. I, I am Italian and I think that historically Italians kind of are in this gray area. Right. Uh, just culturally, like there's like a lot of mixed cultures that yeah. Italy. Um, and actually, my friend bought me a 20, uh, 23 and me because she's like, you're not white. And she like, <laughs> she's going to prove it to you. I, I know. I'm like, <laughs> so that's really funny. I wonder where you read that. Um, I don't know. I So I, I can't speak on that because I don't know much about that topic. Well, let's talk um, about women. <laughs> And women. representation because there's there's a, a huge lack of women on on lineups and and record labels and everywhere but you're you're there and you're doing it like what does it feel like to be sitting at a moment where things could possibly change for the better well so it's interesting um and this is something i've been talking about with vanessa mary Droppins, sony like all of these girls that are kind of coming in really heavily right now yeah um it's, it's the year of the women like it's the next five years is women it's yeah. women days the shift has happened. We're all getting agents and booking uh, bookings all across the country. Um, we are more, I feel like people are responding to us way more. There's way more interest and people are more excited about it. Yeah. Um, Cause I just, I just, we've been feeling this shift all of a sudden where I no longer feel like I am like on the outside. now I feel very much in demand and I'm like, oh, what's going on here, you know? And so, I'm actually very excited and I, and I called it like on Instagram yesterday. I was like, oh, this is this, this is the summer of fem, like femme DJs. Yeah. Um, and like, and I, and I feel that I think that like, this is like our moment right now. Um, and I think that for the next five years that people are going to say that this is our moment. Um, and then it'll like balance out, I'm sure, but um, it feels good. And I, I'm not here to be like, we need more male DJs on the line. I mean, yes, we do. But like, we also need like talented people. Absolutely. And I think like whether, whatever um, like more minority group you fall into, whatever category, I feel like 
as long as the music is good, then yes, we need to give you the platform. That's the most important. Um, you know, I think, and this is probably not the best thing to say, but like we shouldn't just be giving out free passes to people who aren't putting in the work. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, so for like, sure. So like there's so many talented people. Now we can actually give them that platform to showcase their whole world, you know? Um, and that to me is like the most important. It's the coolest because I think it's actually happening. Um, and so I feel like, you know, I think the, the, the uh, playing field is certainly getting evened right now. Um, men have to be really, really, or white men uh, yeah. have to be really talented and really like a standout act. They're not just going to be getting it for whatever reason. Because, you know? they, because they put a lot of money into it. Right. Yeah. Like <clears throat> that culture is certainly dying out. Um, hopefully. One can only hope. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the pandemic leveled the playing field a lot in that aspect because a lot of the people that were maybe doing stuff like that have, have kind of dropped off because if you have no real talent or you have no real reason right. to be here, what's the point of sticking around if you can't make it through this whole thing and still do the thing? Right, if your only motivation was money and fame and then you gave up because Twitch streaming didn't pay you. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, then, you know, like, like that's it. And so it's funny. I was talking about it with Sophie Tucker and Mary Droppins as we were like having this discussion about how Twitch changed our lives because yeah. Sophie Tucker became now a big font act. It's like top of the list of every festival. Yeah. They are, they have a fan. They have a, this is mind blowing to me. They have a zoom party a every free time that's 24 yeah. seven. Everyone is on it 24 seven. Yeah. Their fans are, they're rabid. <laughs> rabid fans it's me, insane but they're the nicest fans i've ever encountered they're oh they're smart. beautiful people yeah absolutely Amazing. and then mary droppins too like me and her were local djs prior to the pandemic right like, we, we were in the circuit we were kind of getting like you know lots of lots of gigs but like not good paying gigs um no not much notoriety and um and now it's like you know, she's got an agent in a management company. She's releasing music. I've got an agent and management company and releasing music. And it's like, it like took us to another level. So when you're really passionate about something and you have a good attitude about it, it's like, it shows. And like all of the people that were in it for the money. Yeah. Oops. Where'd you go? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, I, there's something in that about like holding out for what you really want. Um, and also like the power of manifestation, which is something that you like, you talk about too. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, you, this didn't just happen for you. You, you made it happen. Um, you activated that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's part of that same attitude I had that we were talking about earlier, earlier, where it's like, it just, I'm excited about it and I'm passionate about it. So it doesn't, it's just mindless to me. Like I just go into it like excitedly, you know, and I don't really try to think too, um, I don't try to think too deeply into it. Uh, and when it comes to manifestation, it's just like, yeah, I, I have no doubt that like, I'm going to be able to get my message across to people and that I'm going to be able to offer something that maybe some people aren't aware exists or whatever it is. Like, I just have no doubt that I'll be able to make some sort of change. And if I just keep that going and I tell myself like, it's going to work out, it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, it like, it works out. I mean, like my management situation with um, Andy and Dirty Bird, um, three months prior, I had decided I was going to make dance music. And I was shifting from like my indie background into, I was like, okay, I, I need to work with a label. I'm, I'm self-releasing. No one's hearing my music. Yeah. Even if you like it, even if it's getting played on, you know, an H&M store all across the world, 
which was really crazy for like an independent artist. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter because it's not doing anything for me. Right. So I was like, I need to shift focus. I need to be like, what is going to do? What is going to be best for me? And I was like, I, I need to find a label. Like I need to find a label that I can work with. Um, and just like out, like out from the sky came Dirty Bird. <laughs> I was like, what? You know what I mean? And um, and it and it just we clicked, you know, because I had the experience of self-managing, self-booking, right. writing my own songs, releasing my own. I had all this experience. I had the work ethic that was like, I'm doing this, and I don't, and I know what I'm doing, and I could, I have my shit together. Um, so to them, it was appealing. They're like, oh, here's someone that's positive, because that's what um, that's what Barclay's whole thing was. Is like her positive attitude. Did you know? I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. So like, um, and that's kind of like how I. I think that's what appealed to them, you know, aside from the music and like, you know, my taste and, and my DJ sets and stuff, because they were looking for something that was different. It wasn't like traditional tech house. They were looking for someone that had like an ear for something else. Yeah. Um, just to diversify the label, keep it moving forward. And so like, I kind of like managed by pure chance to hit all the nails on the head. And then I was like, okay, well now I got to write music for you guys. So then it was like boot camp. Yeah. And Barkley acting as an AR was like, write 10 new songs a week like 10 new ideas just go 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 and so for like pretty much the entire pandemic not every week but like i got into the habit of like writing 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 um and that's where sun is hot came from that's where psychic attack came from and like some of my new releases now i've gotten into the rhythm now that if i write something yeah there's a lot of throwaways but like i have a good idea of what isn't right and i, and I send that off typically nice yeah so nice yeah. well it's awesome that you've like you've been able to like manage to make this for yourself and it's awesome for everybody else because you now you get to share your music with like a wider audience which is what you were really going for in the end because you have you have a message there and I have a message I want everyone to feel I want people to relate I want them to know that like their experience is not like isolated and that to me like is the most fulfilling I went into psychology because I wanted to understand the human mind right and I, and I wanted to find ways to help people um granted it was like I'm not an introvert so this is not the career for me <laughs> <laughs> um so so like I um I switched but it's still that kind of um psychoanalysis one is a big part of like my confessional writing but then two it's kind of like just like wanting to help people and have them like relate to something. It's just so fulfilling. It's yeah. like, it makes me feel so good. I'm sure everyone can feel that way too. Um, but like really helping people um, is just like the coolest and making them happy. That's so fun. You know, Yeah, for Being sure. Excited, absolutely. It's just a good vibe. So it really is. I mean, and you've managed to get the essence of what you wanted in the end anyways, because what you wanted to do in psychology was help people and you're doing that now. And you, you don't have to listen to people's darkest, darkest thoughts all the time either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I am, it's kind of like a bad, what is it? A, a bad habit where I like, I meet someone that has like things going on and I'm like, tell me more, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I'm like, but you could do this. And then I get too inv invested. And then I'm like, wait a second, not my place. I do and it. then I have to like read like boundary. I, I do. I do it too. I understand. We all do it. Yeah. I have to write a song about that. Like, yes. it's just like, it, and cause even Tucker was saying that too. He's like, I do that too. And I'm like, God, everybody you know? wants to fix. So everybody wants to fix something. Everybody like, wants yeah. to fix somebody. Like if they see their, and it's not just like to fix it, but it's to like, 
like, I want you to feel day. better. Yeah. I'm I want like, you look to at feel... the rainbow over here. Yeah, it's exactly. so nice over here. <laughs> yeah. Come on. The window. Beautiful. It's beautiful outside. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Totally. And it's like, and I feel so bad that like, I can't change that. But that if the problem is, is that if you try to, if yeah. you try to get invested, then the people kind of put, make it your, like they make it your fault. Right. right. So then you become like the enemy and it's like, it can, it just, the dynamic, it sucks. So the best I can do is create music with a message that resonates with people. And that's the, it's a boundaried way of helping others. Cause then I don't have to like get too invested and get all caught up in something. <laughs> Drag me down into the pits. Yeah. Let's right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, you don't have, you don't have time for that. <laughs> no time. No. Um, I always like to end on this question. Um, what excites you about the future of dance music? Um, what excites me about the future of dance music is, well, you know, I think through the pandemic, we all decided that we didn't have to play for a crowd. So we all like really learned what we liked and yeah. the people that put in that work are, I mean, I swear this, this Sophie Tucker album is crazy because it is like cross genre and it's exactly, it encapsulates kind of what I think a lot of the people that were DJing through the pandemic experienced, which was like music for me. Yeah. And what do I like? And what, what, like, who cares about trends? What, what even is a trend? Yeah. Like, so for me, like, I'm, ex I'm excited to see um, more authentic, you know, selves in music. Um, there's always going to be people that follow trends. There's always going to be people that are going to, you know, do that, but I'm excited for more like authenticity within music. Um, yeah. And, and, more openness to genres because now I feel like breaks is a cool thing and electro is coming back. I'm so here for that. Right. And I, and it's cool to see that people are very receptive to it. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, we were playing that kind of music during a pandemic when they didn't have many other options. It's not like that. There weren't many Twitch DJs playing open format sets. You know what right. I mean? So everyone was kind of exposed to like, like for me, I was playing a lot of like trance and 90s house and i played breaks a couple times and indie dance and punk rock mixed music and yeah um and like now i just feel that like i don't know if it's because of of like my dj sets but when i play like on twitch but like when now when i play in real life people are just so receptive like it doesn't matter if i'm playing some weird obscure thing it's like people love it so i'm like cool yeah, we've we've broken the the tech house you know bubble finally we're, and we're free <laughs> well, i feel like we've gotten kind of back to like when i first started partying that's what that's what parties were like it was like the dj you trusted the dj to lead you on a journey and it wasn't always going to be the journey that you came for but it was the one that you needed so yeah. like when i dj like i always go all over the place my dj sets are always all over the place but that's great yeah. that's what, how it should be because you know, some people are great at staying in a lane, but it's also really fun to just to like go everywhere. To yeah. When I when I my one of my first conversations with Claude Von Stroke was, um, he asked me what I played, and I was like, "Well, a little <laughs> open format." He's like, "How open format?" And I was like, "Well, in my sets, I play house, techno, breaks, drum and bass. Like I play whatever I feel like, and I and I mix them all together. I'm not playing like." hip hop or pop or whatever. Right. But like I play a lot of like different underground genres. Um and Andy had a bit of a hesitation with that at first too. She was like concerned that if I didn't fit within a bub like a specific lane, 
that it would be really hard to market me yeah. um, and musically as well. But then I don't know what happened. <laughs> now they're like, they're like all aboard. They're like, yeah, who cares? And like, so I can do whatever I want. And, and the crowd loves it. So it, like the audience loves it. The people like it, like, you know, so it's, it's funny. I think we were, we got like kind of wedged into this like idea of what dance music was for a second. And like the right. pandemic shattered that. Completely. And yeah. And now it's like, we can do whatever we want and it's good. I'm like, Ooh, I, I mean, I've been doing, I was doing that before. I'd play like lights down low parties, which are yeah. like, you know, them? okay. I did rave parties. Yeah. Um, and they I were in San Francisco for a long time. Yeah. So I, and I, I'm a resident at there. I just decided I'm going to do a residency with them in LA nice. four times a year. Um, so I, um, and it's just like at their parties, I was playing like breaks and all of that stuff, you know, because their crowd, their audiences are music heads. They're not like, you know, clubby, like, you know, whatever they, they're, they're underground. So I was always doing that before. So right. it just, now it's cool. Cause I could play it above ground and, yes. it's like, and people are cool with it. So that's, that's the best part for sure. And that's what I'm looking forward to is more of that in the future. <laughs> I love to hear that. That's yes. Well said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> that's all I have for you, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to me today. Um, yeah, it was so nice meeting you. Yeah, it was great meeting you too. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was a really fun conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Well, all right. You for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we'll be in touch about everything else, but yeah, if next time you're in San Francisco or Oakland, um, let us let me know I'm I'm around it'd be, it'd be fun to yeah. hang out I may go up just to work on music with Artie because we decided we're like perfect doing for it. each other yes <laughs> Our, this, we have a this is so lame we have a uh it's me Artie and Nikki from Dirty Bird and we're called XTC as a joke and it's, <laughs> we're, the, we're a love fest we're just like yeah we love each other <laughs> you oh, know that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> so cheesy um but like we um when me and Artie were working on music on Tuesday, we were so like, wow, this flowed so easy. There was no weird shift in dynamic. Um, like where like some people don't know what they want to do in the studio. And so you're like, kind of like pulling them along. And yeah. the other, and other times people are like, they have an idea of what they want to do. And so there's a lot of push and pull. And like, it, it's like kind of like a rubber band being pulled. But with Artie and I, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, <laughs> and it, we just like, and it, we banged it out in like a, an hour and a half. And we, and we had this song and it That's was quick. like, that's I was like, good. whoa, we have something here. Yeah. Let's do this more. <laughs> so I might go up there just to work on music with him. He also might, he's, he does these like renegade things at the beach. Yeah, I know. I, he's been doing like the last couple of months he's done them. Yeah. So I think, um, I think I'm going to, maybe I'll do that too. We'll see. Awesome. Well, let me know if you're ever in town. Well, yeah. if you, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye.